Sadek. And I'm currently thanking Jim Ryan for bringing games to the Middle East when no one else would. Oh, <laughs> the problem here. Wait, is- let me give context. Okay, so so there's an interview with Jim Ryan, um, head of PlayStation, and he said that no, that the Middle East or get Russia did not have games before PlayStation. And Sadek, I think you have some thoughts on it. That's why I wanted to start with this. I should mention I'm also Christian. Yeah. So so Jim uh, Jim Ryan, uh, who is the CEO of Sony Interactive Entertainment, uh, for context, had, there was a GameIndustry.biz, uh, I guess, interview. Yeah, this is an interview uh, where he just like makes like a like an ops, seemingly like off the cuff remark. Like it doesn't seem to be something he was just he just said it like because he wanted to say it or he thought it was the thing to say where he said that uh that middle east people had never played games before playstation in the middle east which is just incorrect like it's it's not it's not true by the way like i like i should just say that up front like it's it's historically it's a historical it's not correct it's in it's an incorrect statement it is not even like you can't even like Give Jim, uh, like Mr. Mr. Ryan here, the benefit of the doubt, say like he was trying to say something else. Like he said what he said, and I think he meant what he meant. And I don't like it's it's not correct. It's ignorant. Uh, it's if 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 this is just ignorance, then like if you're a video game executive at this level, like you shouldn't lie. Ignorance you, becomes malice when you're that high up, right? Uh, if you're that high up, you shouldn't be saying shit like this. Like, and the thing is, the way he said it, like the like the sort of tone of the of the of the of the of the sentence, like he was confident, like he, he was at least confident in what he was saying, like what he thought he believed or thought he understood. I mean, he had the confidence of a colonizer when how in his delivery of that. Uh, he really did. He really did. That's what I, that's what I said. Like when he, when he first sent me this, uh, very colonizer vibes coming out of this, like very much like the middle East was some like land of savages where video games didn't exist or something. Uh, but no, uh, it is not correct. Um, people's lived experiences and just like, you know, historically just, it's just a, like, it's just not true. Uh, there, there is a article in IGN Middle East, uh, which, which like goes into like sort of the history of the, the like, history of gaming in the Middle East before the PlayStation arrived. So things like, uh, Sega consoles, right? Sega Genesis, uh, Super Famicom, uh, arcades. PC gaming, uh, and my own experience of PC gaming as, like, as a child in the, in the UAE, it's a lot of, like, net cafes and, like, people playing Counter Strike, you know? So it's. I'm sorry, I need to interrupt because those, you have fake memories. I'm sorry. Jim Ryan <laughs> Jim said Jim that Ryan. there was, you were at home playing PlayStation, playing Chrono Cross. That's how you, t- that's how you learn English. See, Jim Ryan educated you. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, yeah, I, I've, I've never had a Sony console before the PlayStation 4. Uh, and most of my gaming and like the, basically my entire, like most of my gaming in my early childhood was 
on PC and pirated games. Uh, so that that's, that's basically how I, and a lot of people in the, in my sort of friend group at the time, like were playing games on either, either on modded PlayStation ones, right? Like modded PlayStation ones or, or they had like a PC, uh, and they were playing pirated games. So like, I, I don't, I mean, the thing is PlayStation did have a significant influence in video game culture in the Middle East. Uh, especially with the PS2, right? Like it was a big deal. Like obviously it was a big deal. Uh, but to say that there were no video games or video game culture, just like people playing video games before PlayStation arrived in the Middle East, like that's, that's not, it's just, it's just incorrect. So, so there's that. It's, it's, so it was, this is the thing I like saw, like when you send me this, I was just like, what? I cannot believe like a Sony executive is just out here saying this shit too. I mean, it's the thing about the internet. People are out here making fools of themselves for free. <laughs> for free. It's free entertainment. I mean, not entertainment, actually. It's not entertaining. It's actually bad. Uh, because this paint, like, this just, like, it just makes, it just, like, it just paints, like, this picture of the Middle East that's not, not historically correct. So. Uh, so there is that. And if I mean, you, what do you mean? Are you saying that the Middle East is not what every Call of Duty map shows it to be? I'm kidding. That's that's a whole other. <laughs> oh my god, that's an, that's an entire discussion. That's an entire discussion in itself. So, but before we get mad at Sony some more, we're gonna have to get mad at. Well, wait. We should say first. This is episode 169. Nice of Shades of Brown, where this week I think. This is going to be probably one of the most technical episodes we've had in a while. I don't apologize, but the Switch OLED came out, and so we got two sides of it, right? We have the shit I care about and the shit Static cares about. So we are going to spend an hour talking about the screen, and then we're going to spend another hour talking about Ethernet, because that's all that matters with this new Switch, I think. Oh, my God. I mean... Realistically, the only thing that Nintendo thinks matters is the new OLED display, right? Like that's the selling point of this new, new, new iteration of the Switch, right? Like a, a like a better portable experience in the in the way of a OLED OLED display. And I think hist- like a, a digital foundry video on 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 the on the other new uh, OLED Switch mentioned this about the PS Vita being one of the for well, I think it was the first portable with the OLED screen right i'm pretty sure that's what first handheld yeah there's i mean there's like some samsung phones beforehand right that early oled right but like a like a portable gaming console right like the the vita was ahead of its time actually uh sony did not sort of entirely face planted with the with the vita as we all know uh but like the vita was it didn't have a like a admittedly like it was a older technology like oled right it wasn't like as good as oleds today obviously but it was an OLED display, and since then there hasn't been like a portable game because that has an uh, OLED display that's not a phone. Uh, so we have we have a we have a new Switch uh, iteration. We have an OLED display. So what are we going to start with with the display? Like what's what? So what's the angle? Okay, so I'm going to start with the um, and and I would actually normally I mean I always say we have show notes, but this week. It was a, we, well, we got show notes, so please, <laughs> got please go to twoshadesofround.com and check out the show notes. Check out the show notes in your podcast app because there are links to a lot of the things we're talking about. More context, more information, more data sheets. We have actual part numbers and data sheets. We have, we have PDFs, bro. You got um, but got so yeah. <laughs> to start with the display itself, let's talk about what makes a good display, right? There's because at, at the end of the day, 
an IPS display is fine. I, I think IPS displays are fine. The problem is, and I don't think it, it matters less in a computer monitor situation, but more in a portable device, TV, sort of content first um, sort of environment, is brightness and contrast. Because OLED displays, or sorry, IPS displays in a moderately lit to bright room are fine. The problem is when you turn off the lights and you try and bump the brightness down or look at a more contrast screen, you have that IPS glow because of the backlight. There are techniques such as local dimming, um, you know, various backlight zones. But there is no local. Uh, so I have a, I have a, like my switch here. I have my switch here sitting here. It is, it is the original switch, right? And it has the IPS LCD. Uh, you can sort of like, even if, even in, in like, if you look closer, like you can see like the L, like the LCD doesn't have any, it doesn't have local dimming zones. It's, it's lit, like all, the backlight is lit all the time. Like there's no, there's no local dimming going on. So just to put it in context, there's no local dimming. So if you like turn out the lights and look at your original switch, you'll see like the glow. Uh, of the IPS LCD, that's the backlight. Right, uh, and then of course, because with OLED, each pixel is individually lit, you get higher contrast due to the nature of the display. And um, of course, there's burden concerns with this OLED. Nintendo says they have uh, mitigations in place. I, I I think on smaller screens, burn-in is mostly a solved problem at this point. Like, I don't think any... Honestly, I've never heard of an iPhone getting burned in right or an Apple Watch getting burned in. I, I haven't seen this either. Like, I haven't heard about this. Like, if, if like, I feel like if this was a this was the problem with OLED displays, like like modern OLED phone, like phones, like we would hear about it more. But I don't think it it like it's mostly a solved issue. Like, you can get burned in with like a Samsung OLED, like I guess. But if you're like, if well, the just- last oh, the last Android device I see a burn in. So I, I think I've said on the pod before. I bought my mom a Pixel Three. It was on sale. That in light mode had a burn in from the Facebook app. I've seen that happen before, but I think Samsung, honestly, I don't think it happens with high end Samsung phones. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if it was like, you know, newer Pixel phones as well. So, like anything like that's not like a $5 Android phone probably is fine for burn in. Um, of course, we're assuming Nintendo's using quality parts, which that's, <laughs> uh, that's <laughs> right. Uh, but, but back to, yeah. the, to the display though, the reason I bring all this up is. There's a right way to do OLED, and there's a wrong way to do OLED. And there are some caveats to it. OLED is not a magic bullet. Like, like there are issues with OLED Downside, that have to be accounted for. Yeah. Like, there's a reason yeah. that Apple is not using OLED in the iPad Pro and using Mini LED. Because it's just, it's, it's also a reason that you cannot buy a good PC monitor. You have to use a TV with um, OLED if you want to use a PC monitor. Is that OLED just doesn't scale to bigger sizes. Like, with TVs, it's fine because content's moving all the time. But if you had, like, you know, your text editor open, it will fuck up an OLED display. And so there are some countermeasures to this, uh, specifically pixel shifting, right? We're trying to like shift pixels, um, you know, some dimming tricks you can do with it. Um, and as well, there are also brightness concerns of OLED. So basically, OLED is not like a backlight in that you just adjust the luminance of the pixel. It's you, you run into problems where if the pixels start getting dim enough, it might be green. It might, you know, they might die quicker, right? They might actually burn through their life cycle quicker. Oh, uh, so, 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 like, because they're individual, like, individually lit. Yeah, individual pixels. So it's harder to get uniform brightness at lower brightnesses. Peak brightness is higher. So that's what this PWM thing that you may have heard of comes into. I think you mentioned it briefly with the iPhones before. Pulse width modulation. Essentially, and I would, I'm going to actually set it as a chapter art, but um, open the photo on um, on that 
um, Reddit link. And it, do you see in the middle that that flicker there, like that line? Basically, the screen strobes when you get below a certain brightness to maintain uniformity and that brightness. And so with the Switch OLED, it is flickering below 50%. So, and it basically, it's so from 50% to 0% is the range in which flickering increases, right? Because all screens flicker. Like this is, a, this is true for LCD. Like this lights flicker. If you, this is why with CRTs, right? If you try and frame them, you see flicker. It is just a fact of, of luminance and, and, and the physics of it. But that is a huge range. So for context, the iPhone 13 will begin its flickering around 25% brightness. And there are ways to combat it on an iPhone. Um, so specifically, something I sometimes do because I am I am able to notice it. It doesn't give me headaches. For some people, this, this flickering can make them give them migraines or make them nauseous. For me, I just notice it because I see I see like um it looks like not like jelly scrolling, but it looks like it's sort of like watery when you're scrolling at low brightnesses. And so what I do sometimes if it's bothering me, um, sometimes you switch to light mode that may help, right? It's having an all black background. What you can also do is on an iPhone, reduce white point and accessibility settings and bump and bump. So you bump your screen brightness a hundred percent. And then you use the software's built in reduce white point to give it a fake brightness. So the way you think about this is the pixels are technically outputting peak luminance. And then you turn down the entire phone's white point to make it visibly less bright. Right, so the software, like the hard, like the software that's displaying it, it's it's going to like turn it down, so it doesn't actually. Right, because the white point of colors is lower. The pixels are technically outputting a dimmer color perceptibly, but they're still running full throttle, so it is no longer pulsing the display. So that's something you can do on an iPhone, and that's something I've done before. Um, and, but it's just that for me, my problem is the zero to 50 percent range of of brightness for it i think that's very i think that's really large for it and i mean the reason you use pwm is it's a cost-saving measure there are other ways to do brightness but it's more expensive this is nintendo (laughs) it's 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 nintendo they're not going to spend more money why would they do that um so that that is a caveat with it um and and with that i i'm kind of happy i'm actually sticking on my switch light because for me better contrast is nice yes but like I I I I don't want to see that flicker and that you know dim. I mean, of course, maybe I should play games in the light, but hey, fuck you, right? <laughs> I I mean, but but so and it is not a pentile screen. I think this was the, the other thing. that is also correct. It is a full RGB stripe layout. Yes, which is which is good. That is that is in fact actually a good thing. Pentile pentile OLEDs are uh, not especially at low resolutions. They look dirty. Like they look like grainy. It's mm. yeah. The the I think low like lower end Android phones probably have pentile OLEDs, right? Like that's probably why they look like shit. Like probably. I I actually don't know if like I I actually don't know what the what the what, what screens are like. What what kind of panels like like lower end Android phones use like a lower end One Plus or like like a. Motorola phone, like what are they doing? Are they using IPS LCDs still? Uh, well, some use OLED too, but the problem with these lower Android phones, it's not that it's just, it's not like it's a cheaper OLED technology. It's usually a lower bin, right? Like like the oh, binning scale, it's way more of a okay. lottery. It's if like, you get it's like, like a CPU. Yeah, kind of yeah, you'll like, get like okay. OLED screens that might be a little more green, right? Like it's just because OLED is a, like a bad OLED screen will be here green and lower brightnesses. Sometimes 
you can kind of see it on an iPhone if you look hard enough for it. And I mean, I should mention, by the way, if you are listening and you own like an OLED device and you're not, you've not noticed any of these things I'm, I've, I've mentioned, don't go looking for it. It's okay. Don't, don't, do not, do not. You don't need Just, to go looking for the things I'm mentioning. You don't need to go looking for it. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a thing that happens. It's no, it's a thing that happens. You can notice it if you look. This is like the jelly scoring with the iPad mini. I, I don't notice. I can't. I don't, I cannot notice the jelly scrolling. It's just like, I can't, some people just can't see it. I can't. And see you're it blessed either. if you can. You are, yeah, you are truly blessed. blessed. <laughs> actually blessed. So, so yeah, I'm, I, I mean, I, I think oh, even with the issue with the PWM, like it with, with being at 50% brightness with the flickering, I still think it's a better, it's still an upgrade over the IPS LCD that's in the original, uh, switch, I would think overall, like just for the sake of contrast. Uh, right? Like, uh, like for games, like if you're playing video game on, like Metroid Dread, let's use Metroid Dread as because it's a good example, right? I think everybody's been using it as a example because, uh, it, ca- it just came out as well. Uh, Metroid Dread on the Switch, like it has a lot of like dark corners and dark parts of the screen, right? And, and, uh, and as far as they look, they look better than they would, than they would in, in an LCD. Right. Actually, I think I can, um, let me send you this picture. I'm actually, I have Metro Dread open on my Switch right now. So make sure I send you this photo piece. So this room, you can tell on the Switch Lite that there is a lack of um, contrast there. And, and a, a bigger thing too is, so Nintendo has a laminated display with no air gap on the Switch o- uh, OLED, whereas the other Switches do not. They do have air gaps. So actually, I'm holding my Switch to the light because it'll show the air gap. Um, well enough so let me go ahead and send you oh yeah i know i know i know i know there I'm, I'm looking at it right now like it, it well, no, causes, it for the chapter art though too right so it causes uh like a reflectivity like it causes the reflection like it looks like the the off off center viewing angles are bad right like because of the because of the way it's 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 uh it's has a gap uh that's the so that you have the switch uh, light. light. That's a switch which, which light. Also, yeah. Which is also an IPS LCD, right? Uh, right. And this iPhone photo is very true to my eyes. Like sometimes photos are not, but this is what I'm seeing. If you see like the black area, right, just kind of crush in, it blend in with the rest of it. It's, oh yeah, yeah. I, I can. See, it's like it looks a little bit not black. Like it, it looks a little bit lighter. Like this, like a grayish. Like it has like a grayish quality to it, right? Like that's the whole thing with all that. Like you get deeper blacks, right, because of the Okay. Uh, so overall, I think, like, despite the PWM issue, I think this is fine. Like, uh, oh yeah, no, it's, like, it's, it's, Nintendo didn't fuck up the OLED, which is surprising. I like, like, as much as I'm being like PWM, I'm mentioning it. Like, I'm mentioning it because I think it's important to mention. It's, it's, with it's it. important to know, but, but like, it's, it's a fine OLED, which is hey, c- compared to the next thing, which <laughs> you know. Uh, but I think before we actually speak about ethernet a couple of little other points too that are important to mention one speakers actually seem pretty baller so nintendo did a good upgrade to the speakers kickstand is um very lappable it looks very lappable as panos would say it, it looks like a surface uh like a surface like i think uh mentioned in the digital foundry video it, i think that's a good i especially like the kickstand because the kickstand and the current switch uh is bad it's a it's a, it's a bad design uh so I'm, I'm glad that they fixed that uh Looks like they put all the like the stuff that that was written on the back of the switch, the uh, the sort of like the various regulatory like stickers and stuff that, that that is on the back. They got put behind the kickstand, so you don't see it if you just have the kickstand closed. Yeah, which is nice. Um, last thing too before we jump into everyone's favorite section is the Joy Cons. Nintendo has basically said in an interview 
of talking about the Switch Lite is that the the quest to to like get reliable Joy Cons is a never ending battle. And sure, maybe it is hard to build, you know, like buttons that take a lot of abuse from children and stuff over time. Fair enough. Here's 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 a wild idea. Make them fucking modular. Make a Joy-Con, make the analog stick replacement modular. Right. So you can like swap right? it out. Because even though you get e-waste from a broken Joy-Con that is way less than a or broken analog stick that is way less e or far less e-waste than the entire Joy-Con having to be thrown away. Joy-Con being replaced. Yeah. So I it's just yeah, the Joy-Con problem, like I it's I don't know what what's like is it a supply chain problem or is it just like those parts are just... It's a monopoly problem. There's only one company that makes analog sticks and Nintendo, because Nintendo, uses a cheaper version of them, but you can't make alternatives because of patents, right? You'd basically have to redesign what an analog stick is because that one company owns all the patents of the design of an analog stick. So like at the end of the day, Microsoft and a Sony controller like analog stick all comes from the same company, right? Different designs, sure, but it all comes from the same one company. Yeah, so I'm, I'm like, yeah, it, I have the, the analog stick thing is, I, I just hope that, like, I just hope it's better, easier to replace with the next Switch version. Like, I hope if they're gonna do this, just make it modular, as you said, and, uh, make it so that people can swap it out. That you can buy, you can buy, uh, uh, analog stick separately and replace it yourself without having to do, like, if you want to replace it now, it's, it's like a whole. You have to desolder it from the board. It's not. It's it's not user friendly in any sense, unless you're really good with a solder solder gun, which uh, uh, most people are not. Uh, and I don't expect most people to get good at using a solder gun to right. fix their video game console. <laughs> right. That's not. That's not great. So let's Ethernet. Oh boy, here we go. So Ethernet. Yes. Um, do you want me to give the brief introduction and you spit your, you know, you get on your soapbox or do you want to? Sure. Uh, sure. Let's, let's get into like the details of like what's going on. I mean, not details, just like the sort of like the overview. What's, what's new with the Switch OLED? Uh, this. Yeah. So, so yeah, there's a new dock and on the new dock comes a redesign, which actually I like the visual design of it. Actually, I actually think it looks nice from a physical hardware. Do we have a picture of it? Do we have a picture? Of it? I feel like we should have a picture of it. Um, I mean, it's just. Yeah, we can pull it up here, but it's on. I'll get. It, I'll just grab one from Nintendo's website. Um, but so there's a new design for it, and you know, white looks nice. And so with regards to it, though, it does bring in Ethernet. Or sorry, sorry. Let's get this right. It brings LAN. <laughs> it brings a LAN port. It brings LAN. They call it the LAN port. The thing I have been wondering about. I've been, Sadik can contest you, I've been on the fucking hunt to figure this out since it was announced. Is it 1000 or is it gigabit? <laughs> you really have, honestly, you're more interested in this than I am. Like, honestly, like, I haven't even been doing the research. Like, I, I was just waiting for, like, somebody to, like, you know, like, somebody to look it up, somebody to get, like, a data sheet or, or break it down, like, do a uh, trade out and then, then look it up. But, like, I wasn't, like, doing the research on this. You, you watch, like, a gazillion Switch reviews trying to find, like just like what's going on with the with the heart with the Ethernet port uh, on this new dock. Yeah, yeah. Because um, basically earlier in the week on Mastodon, I should I, I should apologize. I said it was USB two. Turns it's, out it's it is, not. But the reason is, is thankfully the reason <laughs> is no one in any of the videos I was watching people on Twitter I was seeing was getting over a hundred megabits per second on fiber connections. And and sure you you might not always get a thousand down right if you're going there but i would expect 500 400 like that's what my xbox get on gigabit like that 
Yeah, over a hundred. Over a hundred, reasonably, right? Like on a gigabit connection, like I can on, on a during during a work day, during the day when connections are usually more busier than usual, like I you can get like four hundred to five hundred, right? So like I would expect at least above a hundred on these on these on these on this Ethernet controller. But but uh, it's bad. It's bad though. It's, it's okay. So there are multiple problems. Uh, one pro- first uh, first problem with testing uh, uh, a console's network capability or network performance is that you cannot really test it properly. Like there is uh, like uh, there is not to put it more clearly, it's not you can't actually get access to the network interface card at a hardware level or at like even closer level than what the software can allow. So, and I think this is an example from last gen is with the PlayStation 4. People were, people were seeing weirdly low download speeds from, uh, for games on the PS4. And people are wondering, like, why is it so slow? Like, why I have a good connection? Why is it so slow? Turns out Sony was doing some sort of QoS, a weird QoS that was, Basically, the fact was that it was throttling downloads uh, uh, at a certain point. Like, if you had any applications open, it would throttle downloads. So that, that was that. So when we go to this, like, when we talk about speed tests on the Nintendo console, we're talking about using Nintendo software test inside the Switch settings to perform the speed test, which I, which there are no details on as to if there is any QoS applied, if there's any sort of shaping going on, if there's like, like, what is, What's how much data is it downloading? Like, like, where is it downloading? I mean, I know where it's downloading from. I, that is, it is downloading from uh, an Akamai CDN node. Uh, that's all we know. Uh, so that this, so keep that in mind. So we have uh, the dock. We have an e- a physical Ethernet port, which appears to be on a gigabit controller. It is technically negotiating at a gigabit speed, but that does not mean it actually will be able to get a full gigabit. Like, for example, if you have, if you were, if you were able to like have a Nintendo dev kit, like a Switch dev kit, you're able to write custom software for the Switch to test this. Like you'd have, uh, essentially running a performance, a speed test from a local, local server on the same LAN, right? And like, and on the Switch on the Ethernet. And you could test like how much like what is the raw speed on a local network, right? Like so to test a, a network interface card, right? Like that's that's what that's the best way to test it. But there's no there's no way to test that right now. But what are we saying speed wise? Um, what is like the thing that we are seeing speed as? No, nobody's getting over a hundred megabits. Like I've seen one person report, but I mean it was just like a Reddit comment. You know, I haven't seen any actual screenshots of it. But in the majority of folks are a hundred megabits. It's Roughly what you might get on Wi-Fi with line of sight, right? A host assuming your switch decides to pick the five gigahertz band this day. No, see, 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 this is the, this is the problem. I, I think we're getting into the Wi-Fi thing as well, but I, I have a, I, I, my switch is sitting on my desk right here and right above my desk is the, is the access point. And I haven't been able to get more than like 65 ish Mbps. Uh, it's sitting right near the access point connected at five gigahertz, as, as far as the switch says. Uh, and it cannot, like the, the speed test does not go. I, I think at this point, the, the speed, the way the speed test is designed or configured, it is 
misreporting data. I feel like there's some sort of weird that's going on with the speed test because this, this does not seem correct. Like it does not see there's some sort of weird thing going on here. Uh, but back to the Ethernet thing. But so back to Ethernet, there's a couple of hardware bits, a couple of theories, I think, that I, we want to promote here. And, and the one that I'm leaning towards, which if it is incorrect, which it may be right, when I fix it as their teardown piece, we'd be able to see once we know the exact parts and part bin numbers, and I can look at the data sheets for it. Definitely, we'll, we'll put an update here for you. But looking at it here, we're going to use the original Switch as our as our guidance. And, and Nintendo's never-ending ability, as I put in the show notes, is forecast to be cheap because Nintendo was most likely using the same parts because it's probably cheap as dirt. So we're going to assume there's similar parts. And so the the Switch itself, original Switch, OG Switch, has a USB controller, which I'm, I'm not going to say the name of these. These are all these are all, dis- no, these don't, are don't all disgusting the name, names. Yeah. But this is a USB 3 control. Uh, not a, I mean, it's a... It's a to make things confusing, it is what is called a crossbar switch, right? Uh, the technical term is a crossbar switch. It converts between uh, USB 3.2 Gen 1 to DisplayPort 1.2. Is that correct, or is that my LA? That is that is that is correct. Yeah. So basically, it'll it'll go. You know, it takes those two signals from the actual switch port, or sorry, the USB C port on the switch, and then you know sends it through whatever. I don't know if it's probably not PCI, but whatever lanes, right, that the, that the CPU needs to actually process that. Um, there's a separate controller. There's a separate USB PD controller for power delivery. So that's why we're, you're not hearing any mentions of power here. That's actually a separate um, controller for it. And so the reason this is important, on the original Switch, it can basically do a theoretical combined throughput of like 10 gigabit per second. Theoretical, of course, because, you know, signal di- physics and all of that. But basically, the core that you need to get from this is... The USB side of this piece, it's USB 3.2 Gen 1, remember, which used to be a USB 3.0 three years ago. But as everything got rebranded to 3.2 and USB 4, it's fuck the USB IF with that. Basically, this is this could do 5 gigabits per second over USB on the switch. But the DisplayPort side of things can do DisplayPort, DisplayPort 1.2 at 5.4 gigabits per second. Now, you may be asking, the switch uses HDMI. How, where does this play part come into this? So I've touched upon this briefly before. I think we're talking about MacBooks. There is a mode called DP alternative mode, display port alternative mode. Yes, it is very, it's actually very confusing. I think this is one of those things that are, that is not intuitive at all. So can you explain what display port alternative mode I, is? I will give like a one sentence explanation because we do not need to spend 20 minutes talking no, about display port like standards, but because it is not the, intuitive the one all. sentence explanation is it basically allows for a display port signal to be carried over HDMI. Think of it like that. But, it's still being converted here, right? It's being converted somewhere along the line from that HDMI signal to a DisplayPort signal. This is how Macs do USB-C to HDMI, right? So that, that's how that works. It's not actually converting from on, you know, doing like a full conversion like it would say from, um, you know, S-Video to composite or something like that. It's not a full conversion. It's a, it's a, it's done on the chip itself. It's, it's more lower latency. It's faster, etc. cetera. Um, but with that though, the new Switch has an HDMI 2.0 controller on the board, so it can technically output 4K 60. It's Nintendo. We're not going to talk about 4K AI upscaling. I don't care about that. That's a different no. YouTube channel. It's not this <laughs> one. <laughs> but what's important, though, is throughput. And specifically, HDMI 2.0 can out can technically be 18 gigabit per second of data being carried through the cable from the you know source to to the TV itself if you are doing like a 4K HDR signal with um with a 4K 60 as the output 
So assuming 4K 60 HDR, 18 gigabit per second, technically think Xbox One X doing a 4K game to a 4K TV HDR enabled. Problem being, un- unless Nintendo updated the controller, that is more data than can be carried over. Now, of course, there are compression schemes that can be done. I, there is technically display stream compression. I don't think Nintendo is that technologically advanced because that's the stuff that the um, Pro Display XDR does over a USB-C connection to make to carry it over one cable. It'll do display port compression, display stream compression, actually compress the signal. Um, Apple claims you won't notice it. You probably don't. But um, there's other things like Chroma subsampling and you know what bit of color you carry over and sort of your audio. You other thing you can do to compress the signal. And so right now, Nintendo is able to get HDMI 1.4 signal to be carried over DisplayPort 1.2 at 5.4 gigabit per second. So assuming that Nintendo uses the same converter that is on the dock, we have this in our show notes here. There is a newer version that's linked to it. They do have a newer version of the same part that can do DisplayPoint 1.4a to HDMI 2.0b, which would be enough. I'm not getting any HDMI standards here, but it would be enough to do 4K 60 and carry over the bandwidth. However, the missing piece of this puzzle is the crossbar on the Switch itself. Is it is it still that USB 3.2 Gen 1 um, and DisplayPoint 1.2 converter or, or, or crossbar rather, or is it a newer part of it? Or do we have a different, or if it's a newer part? That's that's the real question. That's that, that that's what would answer a question as to where, where, how the Ethernet, like, so to be clear, the Ethernet port here is not a dedicated Ethernet chip. I, I think the, the way I said it is like, if you have a motherboard, it's usually like an Intel chip that does like gigabit Ethernet, right? Or a real tech chip or whatever, like whatever, right? Like an Atheros chip or whatever. Uh, but like on this here, it is basically Ethernet getting converted into USB, right? So it is sharing bandwidth with the USB 3.1, uh, 3.2 Gen 1 bus here, right? Like that's the. Right. Which fit, it's tangibly too for the dock itself means it's sharing bandwidth with the other two USB ports on the dock itself because the reason we we were asking what is the crossbar on the actual motherboard itself internally in the switch is it's about bottlenecking he's assuming that there's having to do some custom stuff to get this hdmi 2.0 signal out then that means there's less bandwidth right in theory for the actual usb side of it and and on top of that assuming that nintendo also is trying to split bandwidth between ethernet and the two um, usb ports how are they doing that is it sort of like a um, bus allocation thingy where it's like say you know only when the other two usb ports are in use it is it is going to pull from bandwidth allocated to ethernet or is it just directly split like that's something you debt that'd be like a firmware that's 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 another question yes that's another question like that's up to nintendo i think right like that feels like a software decision that Nintendo would have to make, like what is prioritized, and or what is it, or is it prioritized, or is it just equally split between the, I would like the three three ports essentially, like the two USB ports and the one Ethernet port, right? Uh, so what is what is going on? Like in theory, in theory, theoretically, this is where the bottleneck is. Like I mean, I mean, we said theoretically this is what the, the bottleneck is, but this is probably almost certainly what the bottleneck is, right? Like where else would the bottleneck be? Uh, like that, that's my question. Like where else would the bottom like be even if, if, like if it, if it's not at this level, if it's not at the crossbar switch, where, where would the, uh, I, this is the most. And because it's a, it's a closed system, right? We don't know if it's a firmware thing. 
Um, I'm actually, this is a question for our Linux nerds out there. Is Nintendo respecting the GPL and publishing source code? Why would they have to publish source code? Or does actually, no, wait, they wouldn't have to, right? This would be, because these drivers would be, if it's BSD, it wouldn't be GPL, right? It'd be a different license. I, we don't, we don't know. I mean, we, do we know what, the, like, we don't know if this is running. What is, what is the kernel running? What is the driver? What driver it is? Like, I, I don't know anything about the licensing here to say if it's, like it needs to respect GPL. Well, let's see. Nintendo does have a um, open source software page, and let's see here. Of course, it's only in fucking Japanese. Of course, they don't have it in English. <laughs> oh my god, no. Okay, wait. So, okay, so it is. There are some G, hard G GNU things. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, for looking at open source software, we're gonna go down to the Switch. I'm gonna pick the latest version. And I'm, I'm allowing arbitrary downloads from the Nintendo website. Um, <laughs> this is Nintendo Switch underscore open sources dot zip. Let's. Um, oh, that's that's great. This is good. This, this is, is this is this we're getting malware in real time on the podcast. That's what we're doing. So, do we get source? Do we get source code? I hope so. I mean, if there's GPL code, then they they probably need to provide the source. Right. Um, my Mac is having the time of its life decompressing this. Okay, so let's open this up, and there is. Oh, it's only WebKit. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> it's only, I'm looking at it here. It's only it's WebKit. Only WebKit. Okay. Yeah. If I'm okay. looking at this here, it's a bunch of WebKit libraries. And, um, oh, this might be something you know. NSS, Network Security Services. It's a Mozilla project. It's a Mozilla project. Yes, I was about to say. It's it's uh, it's the project used for, I mean, it's 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 what Mozilla uses for network stuff. Uh, it's it's a Mozilla, product, Mozilla library, rather, for network sockets. Uh, yeah, it looks like something called the NetFront browser too. That seems like some sort of WebKit browser, maybe like some sort of WebKit implementation. Of the... Yeah, it's all looks like it's all just a bunch of. Well, there's also some random source. Oh, these ones don't have readmes in them. Um, yeah, I don't see anything that includes actual like driver firmware. Um, no, I I would imagine not. Probably not. Well, so I guess Nintendo's doing custom firmware with it, which is fine. Like, but but. The, the problem being, though, since we don't, we don't really know what's in it, it's hard to tell. It's like, this is all theory crafting. I would love to have like actual testing for this, right? The only way to test it would be, as I mentioned, you'd have to have a dev kit switch. You'd have to make uh, a custom bit of software to run these kind of network like level tests, right? And you'd be, you'd, you'd want to break some sort of uh, dev kit NDA, uh, which, uh, which is not uh, a lot of people. So, and it, the kind of people that have Nintendo Switch dev kits are usually video game developers and they are not likely to, they're not likely to want, care about this kind of testing anyway and want to break any, any, any NDAs or contracts. So, so it's, I, I'm just saying it's not going to happen unless somebody like gets their head on dev kit otherwise, like, uh, extra uh, legal methods, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, somebody just like, it falls off the back of a truck, basically. Uh, like, I don't know. So like, I, I mean, this is kind of thing that I would love to see somebody get it, but like, there is no way like a any, any legitimate YouTube channel that's big enough would do this because there's a lot of legal problems here, right? Like if you like can't really do it without breaking some sort of NDA or contract, probably with, for the dev kit. So, uh, nobody's doing it, I don't think. Uh, no. but, so the most important question, though, is how do you feel about this this Ethernet? I feel like that's what I want to know here. Because we have the facts now. We have our theory crafting. We got we have some facts. We have we have we have our we have what we have some facts. We have some the theories. We have some theory crafting. 
I I think this is just doing Nintendo customers a disservice. Uh, if this is as bad as it is, like whatever the re- the reason is is important to us nerds, but realistically, the vast majority of people who buy a new OLED switch with a new dock or just buy the new dock separately, uh, to to the vast majority of people, they're just gonna get bad download speeds. Like that's going to be their experience. It doesn't matter what the reason is. Realistically speaking. Like it doesn't matter if it's it's a problem with this crossbar switch or whatever or firmware or software, whatever it is. Like whatever the reason, it, at the end of the day, as 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 Steve from Gamers Nexus would say, it's it's the consumer experience, right? It's bad. Like you're getting a bad experience in the form of if you're downloading anything somewhat large, say something like that's like twenty to forty gigabytes or even larger, uh, you are just going to see. Uh, suboptimal performance, even if you are plugged into uh, into a wired network and you have a connection that's fast enough to handle multiple hundreds of megabits, uh, which is not good. I just think that's that's just not a good. There's also obviously the matter of latency being involved with the USB conversion to Ethernet gear, but that's probably not as significant as as the just to download speed itself. So uh, not not good. Just 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 not great. Not a great experience uh, overall for people people buying switches. So yeah, I think the something else that we we're actually just talking about before we started recording, which is this is we can't test, of course, but it's it's jitter latency, like the the quality, I think, of that Ethernet connection. Because if it's if it's being bottlenecked that far down, how stable of a connection is that? If you're playing your already really bad Smash Bros online, right? Is it is it actually going to be better to use this Ethernet connection versus Wi-Fi, <laughs> or is it better to be on Wi-Fi? That's I mean I I mean theoretically again Wi-Fi jitter is significant, right? Like Wi-Fi jitter is 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 pretty rough. Like depending on obviously it depends on with Wi-Fi it depends on a variety of factors, right? Like how far you are from the access point, what kind of access point do you have? what the signal strength is, how much interference there is, what band you're on. Is it two by two? Is it like, what is it? So there's a lot of factors, but Wi-Fi jitter is is significant. So is it better? Is the Ethernet connection going to be better than uh, from a jitter perspective? I would, I would think so, but uh, there is no way for us to know. So, so it is, uh, it's not great. It's, it's not, it's not a, it's an uncertain situation right now. Uh, if, especially if you care about this kind of thing on these consoles, uh, not, 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 not a, not a great place to be. Yeah. Cause it's, uh, you know, with the Switch OLED and, and, and Nintendo will never do it, but I think it's something we still have to mention. There were easy wins you could have gotten with this. And if they had to increase the price to say 400, I think it'd been worth it. So even if you don't put a new generation SOC in it, no, see, 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 this is a, I mean, it would be worth it in the sense that we, they would get a better network experience, but uh, the way Nintendo's prices and these things, they want to keep it at a certain price point. Uh, and they don't want to increase the price too much because that makes it, that makes it far fewer people will buy the console. Uh, that is not, it's a Nintendo thing though. Like they have the other models. I, I get that from one perspective, but if they have three models going right now, like, that's true, I guess. Yeah. If you kept the three hundred dollar red box switch, and then you have this switch, let's say it was four hundred, and let's say for example they did a few tweaks, maybe they overclocked it a little bit and put a maybe a more expensive cooler on it, right? Because this is the switch is underclocked enough that you have thermal headroom with the right cooler. 
right? It's not as if you put a bigger cool on it, it's going to be super warm. Like, sure, if you went full throttle, totally. But you could have added more memory bandwidth. You maybe could have added faster storage. There are things that, yes, would increase the cost, but once you get the 350, what's 400? You know what I mean? Like, like that, it's not, this is not a $200 product. There's a difference between. Or you could market it as a higher end product as well, right? Like, you market it as. They wouldn't call it a Switch Pro. I feel like Nintendo wouldn't call it a Switch Pro, right? Like, they might. No, they call it the new Switch, like the 3DS. They did this with the 3DS. They had a more expensive model that was overclocked, faster memory bandwidth. They, they did that already. And I, I don't know why they wouldn't do it here because it's not about upgraded games. It's literally that some games run at 20 FPS. And if you add more memory bandwidth, if you overclock it, you just get an even 30. You Maybe know? you get an even 30, yes. <laughs> Hopefully. Even 30. Geez, if this thing would, Hopefully you get an even 30. I don't know what this... I mean, this tech... More bro, cash I, 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 like, like, somebody at NVIDIA is just like... Like, you know, like so the, first, the people who design the Tegra chip are like, I'm proud of what it can do, but bro... Like, this thing is doing, like, too much work. Like, it's not meant to be... Like, the Tegra chip was what? Like, it was meant for, like, what, the, the shield? Shield, like, TV thing? No, but you know what's funnier, though? If you can... If you put it as, like, a Switch emulator on the shield, it'll run some games better than the native Switch itself. Oh because it's not underclock, right? It's probably running at full clock. Right, it, that's just... It's, <laughs> I just... I will forever complain about this because, like... I think Mint said it on the last time we had we had him on for the podcast. Nintendo is like Apple, but in that they disrespect you if you want to buy new things. Because <laughs> I think I want to bring up here. Actually, I was telling you, Static, in, a, in, in our Telegram chat the other day about moving to a new Switch. Let's say you bought a new Switch. Let's say you bought a new Switch. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. That's about you all that switch. So, okay, I just, you know, I went to GameStop. I, I, you know, the trade in value was shit, but I wanted to upgrade. You know, I think I like the new screen. I play a lot portably. So I put all my games on my SD card, right? You know, hey, SD card, got my Nintendo account. Surely I should be fine. Well, if you go ahead and plug in an SD card that had your games save data on it into a new switch, it will not, it is not like, you know, an Xbox or a PlayStation will let you copy your data over or get your files over. You have to set that up, that device up as a new switch, format the SD card for that system. And sign into your Nintendo account. And guess what? If you had a game that did not support cloud saves, go fuck yourself. That's what that means. And all, or, or, if you did, or if you didn't pay for cloud saves, uh, which, which is possible. Like if you didn't pay for cloud saves, then you would just lose your save data. Like even Apple is giving you free storage when you buy a new product right now because they recognize that having you move over seamlessly is a good, it's a good thing. It's a good, it's a good, it's a good customer experience, right? Like it's the like you you buy a new thing, you upgrade from an existing thing. You want the experience to be seamless, like the iPhone example, right? Like you you buy a new iPhone, you can just like transfer everything over using the the transfer thing right like the what is it called when you like bring the phones near each other quick start right i mean the switch has a version of that and you can do it that way but the problem is it's like if you didn't have that old one because hey gamestop's not going to let you migrate i mean firstly don't the, the least amount of time spent at a gamestop store probably yeah, the best for your health probably better like yeah. you stay healthy honestly. folks but um yeah <laughs> but no one at the gamestop store is gonna let you like you know change do a migration in the middle of a store yeah they're not you gotta have to do that like you gotta have to what are you gonna have to do is buy a new one first and then sell your old one somehow like you're gonna have to buy the new switch first and sell you sell your old one like after you've transferred everything over right like that's it's just not it's 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 not good it's not great no 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 not not uh, what else is there is the the switch wi-fi chip 
Uh, I think probably worth mentioning. Oh, I think we just because we have to, you know, to hit the bingo card. We have to yell out the switch Wi-Fi chip. So I actually pulled up the part number for this, um, because like I said, I've spent from the from the original Switch, mind you, from the original Switch. But let's be real, it probably has the same chip. Nintendo is not going to update it. But if you look at this Broadcom chip that's in there, it's using some Windows laptops. Uh, the ThinkPad Yoga 260, Lenovo L560, um, and you know. I should just say, it's using some Windows laptops. And if you Google those laptops, no review mentions bad Wi-Fi, meaning it's probably fine. It's probably not the best Wi-Fi, but hey. It's probably fine. It's probably it's probably not great. I mean, broad. I don't trust Broadcom to have good drivers, but also they're mostly fine I mean, on Windows, at least. On Linux, it's not good. Uh, Linux experience for Broadcom is questionable a little bit. Uh, it has gotten better uh, over the years, but still with newer Broadcom chips, you have Linux driver problems. Uh, but... This is not a new chip. <laughs> that's, that's not a new chip. How old is this chip, actually? Probably like four, five? 2015, 2013? It's, it's, yeah, it's so Bluetooth 4.1. Okay, so it's old. It's old as fuck, right? So the drivers for this are stable. Uh, whatever operating system you're on, probably at this point, right? Um, on, on Android, even, like, it's going to be fine. Uh, it's a, it's a 802, it's a Wi-Fi 5 chip. So, uh, 802.11ac, right? Uh, two by two, uh, with, with, uh, with Bluetooth, as you mentioned, Bluetooth 4.1. Uh, so why is the Switch's Wi-Fi performance kind of trash? Uh, what, what, what is the problem? Is it, I don't think it's the Broadcom chip that's the problem. And it's all plastic, so it can't be the antenna array, right? It, maybe. I mean, it's hard to say. It's, again, it's one of those things that's hard to measure because there are multiple factors in Wi-Fi. It's hard. Wi-Fi measuring, measurements are hard. Uh, Jim Salter over at Ars Tecca does good ones, but it is really, really difficult to do good Wi-Fi measurement because it's, there's so many things, variables, right? So many variables that you have to control for, right? Like it's, it's hard. Uh, so I, like, it's hard for me to say, like, generally, why is the Wi-Fi kind of shit? Like I have my switch here with, with this Broadcom BCM4356 in it, right? Uh, I'm sitting right where the, the access point is right above my head. Technically, basically, uh, it's uh, it's it should be. I hope you sleep a farted, Cage Man. Stay woke. <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> Jesus. Uh, but yeah, so it's, it's sitting right. It's on five gigahertz, as, it, as the Switch's own software will tell you. It is on five gigahertz, right? Uh, and it's it gets about fifty to sixty-five and uh, megabyte, megabytes per second. So, like, like that's why that, that should be a bit faster than that i think if i did a speed test on my macbook air it would be faster than what is on the switch sitting you'd probably get like 600 because macbook air is wi-fi 6 yeah i don't actually have a wi-fi 6 my access point is actually i'm pretty sure it's uh, wi-fi 5 only so i don't have wi-fi 6 actually uh pretty sure i'm i'm like 100 i'm about 90 percent sure for some reason i Cannot remember if I have Wi-Fi six or not, uh, but I, I'm pretty sure I don't. But anyways, even at Wi-Fi five speeds, I should be getting at least hundred on that speed test. Uh, so uh, I don't know what it is. It's it's uh, if it's a CDN, please fix your CDN. Like that's just embarrassing, bro. It's 2021. Uh, if it's not the CDN, which I don't think it is, it's it's probably not the CDN. Um, whatever it is, please Nintendo, please. And I think the last thing, so we wrap this up before we before we do our outro. I think the biggest thing is why does this matter? Why why does the past hour of this matter? And and the re and my my this is my own personal opinion. 
is that no one else could get away with this. And if if any other company tried to ship firmware this problematic, hardware this problematic, it would not ship. Could you imagine if so if if Sony shipped a hundred megabit port on the on this PS5? Could you imagine that? Or could you imagine if like you know an Apple TV came out with Wi-Fi and Ethernet firmware this bad? Like it just wouldn't ship. It doesn't happen elsewhere. And I don't care what the explanations are of Nintendo can't, you know, I don't know, can't afford they can afford it. Nintendo's one of the fucking richest companies in Japan. They can afford it. I mean, it's not about affording. It's if they want to or not. Uh, the, the talent way. is in there in Japan because they could just, you know, post some people from Sony or Sharp or someone, right? Like it is not as if the talent <laughs> like, is not on, there. It's yeah. it's just the lack of priorities and 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 it's and I think the question becomes what are Nintendo's hardware priorities then? Because unreliable Joy-Cons, shit Wi-Fi, problematic displays in terms of what they're doing with it. Everything is just barely adequate. And, and given that the Switch is such a good concept, it's no longer... It's To me, it is not that, oh, Nintendo, you know, Nintendo gets a free pass because the games are good. It is that it is a fucking miracle that these games are good, and I am starting to be concerned for the well-being of the dev teams to make it work on this shit of hardware. You know what I mean? Like, like how are the games these good when the platform is this bad? You know? Because all third-party games, the Kingdom Hearts games are cloud versions. Control is a cloud version. And it's not because they would import it natively. It's because it's a be of death march to port it natively in a meaning in a in a within like a it, it would wouldn't like kind of control come can you like control is not come it's like i respect the red devs that remedy too much world like that's not like that run that shit on the cloud you gotta get better gpus you're gonna get better cpus you're gonna get better performance like like put it that shit on stadia like i like that's not like remedy is remedy deserves better than the switch is what i'm trying to say but yeah like realistically like i think the switch i i the thing the weird sort of disconnect with the switch is that the switch sells gangbusters and indie devs port to the switch before they port to other consoles nowadays which is like an incredible feat of success like like some sort of marketing success for nintendo right like indie devs like hades hades came to the switch first before it came to the xbox bro like can you like have you thought about that like that's like that's and hades is like which is even odder considering that the pc to xbox conversion path nowadays is like i mean it's it's more than just adding controller support but but i mean it's basically like this is direct x you see to build a right profile for right do some qa on it like it is a very short process if the game is not like a triple a you know super resource intensive game yeah and no, hades is not hades is not hades is like it's it's not a, it's not that resource intensive and like it's it's came to the switch first before it came because why did it come to the switch first before it came anywhere else? Because switch games games on switch sell they sell a lot, which is I think this is what like every I think one of the things that uh always comes up on the podquisition is like is the game on switch because people like Jim and and Laura uh like they want to play on the switch. The switch is a popular popular console right it's 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 handheld which gives it a whole different like you know like ease of use which makes it like you know like it deserves better i feel like that's what i'm trying to say it deserves it deserves better attention like a portable consoles like don't like after the psv kind of have like the sony didn't give the psv to like sony just like basically like 
kill the PS Vita in its in its birth. It's it was not great. Uh like the PS Vita could have been like the like the like you would have ushered in a new generation of 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 console of, of of portable console, but it didn't happen. Sony is out of the game now. So Nintendo's the only remaining portable player. And specifically Nintendo's the only player fighting gotcha. You know, fighting the war against gotcha. And I'm I'm half joking. I'm half joking with this, but I think there's an argument to be made that Nintendo's position as a portable player is important for the reason of that it gives you a portable option that will not end up being gotcha, right? And yes, okay. You mean, oh, you mean like game-wise? Like, you mean like... Yeah, like game-wise, like who, like, yes, there are games on iOS, like, you know, Monument Valley, but we can, I think me and you can count the amount of great mobile games off our hands, right? Like the 10. One of the most popular mobile games right now is Genshin Impact. And that is hands down uh, entirely a gotcha game. Like I mean, it's not entirely. I mean, it's it's a gotcha. No, it's a gotcha. Like, it's, 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 it's gotcha. Yeah, it's I, mean, I was gonna say. Gotcha I, I mean, it, it looks amazing for a gotcha game, but it is at the at its heart a gotcha game, which 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 is where the mobile platform is right now. And like the portables not having like multiple vendors being competitive in the scene means that Nintendo Nintendo does. I think I feel like Nintendo has no incentive. To improve because if you want a portable console, the only upcoming option is the Steam Deck. And I don't know about you, but I don't trust Valve too much. Really? I'm I'm more positive on the Steam Deck. I I mean Valve from a hardware perspective, yes, but long term, I mean maybe. Maybe I think Valve is moving in a weird direction. I'm not like I mean the index is still supported and that's been supported for years, right? The Steam controller and the Steam box, right? Yes, those went out the wayward. But ever since the index, they've been those. Those, I guess. Not. Okay, so Valve is Valve is upcoming with its like it's not a product that's released yet, so we can't really say if it's it's good or not. Uh, I, I hope it's good. I hope actually at this point, I, I think I hope the Valve uh, the 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 new Steam Deck uh, thing is is good because it will. I hope force some competitive pressure uh, because this is just embarrassing. Like this. It's, it doesn't need to be this way. It can be better. Like, honest to God. Honest to God. Like, why did the Switch not ship with an OLED display when, when the fucking uh, PS Vita did? Like, bro. I don't know. At the end of the day, you could buy a $350 iPhone SE that has a GPU and memory bandwidth and storage that will literally do laps on the Switch. <laughs> Honestly, the iPhone SE could probably emulate two Switch games and oh still and still please, not have drop frames please, in the forest and breath this, of the wild. Let, let the, let the NVIDIA Tegra chip live. Oh, no. I mean, I, uh, I feel like the, the fine engineers at NVIDIA are probably, like you are saying, they're crying every time they switch. They're like, they're probably like, bro, what the fuck? <laughs> they, Why are you torturing my NVIDIA Tegra chip, bro? Stop it. Uh, let, get a new chip. Get, who, uh, Qualcomm. Save this company. Um, I mean, hey, there's that Qualcomm ad about gamers. I, have you seen it before? Where it's oh, like yeah, I, the Qualcomm gamer zone or something. If you love oh God, mobile gaming, no. you gotta believe this. <laughs> Jesus Christ! <laughs> oh Lord, have mercy on all of us. I I just I think the theme of this is like why this. I mean, this matters to only a su- small subset of nerds like us, right? Obviously, but I mean, the general theme here is that Nintendo can and should do better. Like the bar needs to be set higher for a company as big and as popular and as genre defining and culturally significant as Nintendo. Like they need to be setting a better standard for their hardware and their software. 
So uh, that's 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 the overall message. But hey, man, as long as gamers don't care, because at the end of the day, Razer is still a profitable company that sells millions of hardware. So I mean, <laughs> and look, people had like, like listen, I have I, I have come to peace with the whole RGB gamer thing. Like I have no, to, that's not what I'm upset about. It's not RGB gamer. It's reliability. It's it's reliability. Razor shit just. Breaks. Oh, you mean reliability? I thought you. I thought you meant like it's like okay, okay, yeah, okay. It's reliability. We should expect better. We should expect better hardware reliability. We should the Joy-Con should not be literally drifting all the fucking time, and people should have to buy a pro controller just to use their damn goddamn console. The only drift I want is Need for Speed Two Underground Remake, and that's the end of this podcast. <laughs> or, or yeah, a- absolutely. Let's let's wrap this up. We're going to have a lot of show notes. This is this is going to be a show note heavy one. There's going to be a lot of text and links. So if you want to read uh, data sheets, uh, I've got the got the show the podcast for you. Uh, uh, but yeah, we got we got a lot of links. We got uh, we got some YouTube videos. We got some Twitter links. Got some data sheets. Lots of stuff there. So make sure to check that out. It's going to be on twosheetsofbrown.com always. Of course, it'll show up in your video podcast app. Uh, if you Unless need, using Apple Podcasts for show notes are continuously broken. Unless you use Apple Podcasts. <laughs> don't use Apple Podcasts. Please love yourself. Use Overcast instead. Uh, uh, show notes, twosheetsofbrown.com. You can find me uh, being mad at Jim Ryan. Uh, <laughs> actually, I'm not. Uh, Jim Lyon. Jim, oh, Jesus Christ. Jim, Jim, isn't Jim Ryan like a fucking Bioshock character? Isn't the guy from like, I don't even know. I don't know. I, I, I like good games. So I never played Bioshock. <laughs> oh, bro. Why you got to drop the pot take at the end of the podcast? Jeez. You're going to get some flame from it. If you want to contact us about Chosa's, like Chosa's hot take about Bioshock, you can send an email to contact at twoshedsofbrown.com. Uh, I'll make sure we'll make sure, like, if you send one, I'll make sure to talk about it. We can, we can all dunk on Chosa. I actually don't like Bioshock. I don't think, not because it's, I don't, I think it's a bad game because I think it's not a genre that I like. It's, it's, I think it's like a horror game more like, uh, than an adventure game. Uh, and I don't like it. Uh, but yes, yeah, you can find me on Mastodon at packetcat at 10 forward dot social and at sadiksave.com, which has the, all the other links. Uh, and show us a weird can people shout at you for your bad takes. So speak about bad takes. Metroid Dread. Um, super quick, <laughs> super quick on Metroid Dread here. I'm still part way through it, but it has now started again. The oh, this the difficulty discourse, right? Where the gamers oh, Lord, getting upset mercy. about it. Oh God! So no, here's no. here's my take on this. Metroid Dread has literally no options outside of like changing it from surround sound to stereo and brightness. Really. Really? There are no okay. like accessibility no options accessibility or anything options? in the game. Uh, uh, oh, subtitles maybe, right? But nothing of actual use. So Metroid Dread is a game which you die a lot in because there's um there's stealth sequences. So you get caught, you die, right? The one it kills. You can later, you know. Oh, that's not I don't know. So basically that. how it works is you have like a regular level and there's specific zones in each map that are self zones. Once you beat the boss though, you can kill the enemies in that zone. So basically, once you like get almost done 75, 75% of the way there, you get a new weapon where you let you kill those enemies that were previously impervious I to. I see. But I there see. are mechanics for navigating around those stealth zones. So all in all, I think the fact that you die a lot is fine because it's never frustrating. The game has a pretty healthy autosave system. That doesn't make it feel frustrating. Usually, you, you'll respawn right before you enter that zone. So you just have to redo whatever you did in the stealth zone, right? Which, that's fair enough. That's just a couple minutes at most. But the thing that I do want to bring up is when we say games need... Um, difficulty options and accessibility options those are two different things an accessibility option can be a difficulty option but they're not inherently the same thing at the same time though 
games totally need both and i don't really care if you want to sell me that your dark souls doesn't need an easy mode or these don't need an easy mode because at the end of the day if i spent 60 bucks on a game and i want to put it on quote-unquote baby mode bro i don't fucking care i'm gonna go put it on quote-unquote baby mode yeah it's you it's a single player game who cares right like this idea this is the this is always like my thing about this is like when anybody who knows like is like says this it's like it's a if it's a single player game me put playing it however the fuck i want it does not affect anybody else's experience or enjoyment of the game so who who cares right like i played tales of arise on auto battler mode for the last half of the game right first of all nobody first of all nobody should play tales of arise. <laughs> but, listen, listen. <laughs> but that's what i'm saying though i played on that and you know what it's because I spent 60 bucks on it and I did not want to engage with the combat. And you know what? I still beat the game. I got the achievements and that's honestly, I'm a better gamer than you because you don't have them. Anyway, (laughs) Josephine at chitter.xyg, Josephine on Twitter, Josephine.website. Until next week where we actually talk about tech news and the Google Pixel event. Bye. Oh, bye. (laughs)